Superman Forever Radio, Episode 126, Superman Returns to Krypton. Uh, no, no, not that one. The other one. Mm, before that. No, way back. Atomic Age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just listen. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Rocketed from the doomed planet Krypton. Rocketed from the doomed planet Krypton. We've known that since the beginning, that Superman came from the planet Krypton. We've known that since Action Comics number one. Personally, I like the Superman number one story. It's flushed out more. So, But needless to say, in the very first moments of knowing who Superman is, we, the reader, knew from the very beginning that as a baby, he was rocketed from the doomed planet Krypton. That's really what Krypton's purpose was. Explode. So, as a reader, we've known his history, where he was from. But in the comics themselves, when did Superman find out? I mean, he didn't know. He was a baby when he left or was rocketed from the doomed planet Krypton. And I've always thought that's an interesting story. When, in fact, did Superman himself learn of his origin? Because in the early, early, early days, and in most of the uh, versions, pretty much as soon as uh, the Kents got the baby out of the rocket, it exploded and there was nothing left except, well, here's a baby with some blankets. Later, as they needed stuff, they kept the rocket intact and, and used it for many things. But obviously, the Kents didn't know Anything other than they saw a rocket land, they pulled a baby out of it. That's the story they can tell Clark as a young boy when his powers start to kick in and he wants to know why he's so different. They don't know why he's so different. He doesn't know. And in the early days, and I'm saying early days, but the story we're going to talk about today was published in 1949, a full 11 years of Superman stories, hundreds of Superman stories before Bill Finger and Al Plastino got together and said, uh, hey, <laughs> let's tell Superman where he came from. So in 1949, in Superman number 61, that's volume one, number 61, almost 11 years from the date of Action Comics number one, comes the story called Superman Returns to Krypton. Hey, kids, comics. It was the dawn of a new age of comic book podcasting. Hey Kids Comics was a dream given form. A place where two generations of comic book fans could work out their differences, peaceably. It was a humorous place where nothing was sacrosanct and it was our last, best hope for joy. But all things end. But from endings can come new beginnings. This is the return of a comic book podcast. The year is 2023. The name of the show is Hey Kids Comics. 
Michael and Andrew are back with an all-new look at old comics and all old looks at new comics. You can go home again. Hey Kid Comics, monthly from Two True Freaks and wherever you get your comics-related podcasts. Hey Kids Comics! Grab your bat microphone, it's time to start the show. Welcome to the Bat Pod, a Batman comic book discussion whoa, whoa, podcast. Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? That's my line. I'm starting the show. I was waiting on you, we're starting the show. I'm the one that says that. You're my new co-host, where we talk about back issues of Batman, could be in Detective Comics, World Finest. Could we do some Shadow of the Bat and maybe some Nightwing, maybe some Batgirl? Absolutely. Can we also define where my co-hosting parameters start and end? I can't start the show, but I can definitely co-host it. Well, maybe we'll let you start the show. Okay, at least I get to pick one of the books we're covering on each episode, and you can pick the other? Absolutely. Can I can I close out the show? Can I bring friends? Will there be snacks? What is your favorite bet snack? Cucumber sandwiches. Join Bill Beer and J. David Weeder every two weeks on the Bat Pod. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Grab your headphones, listen up. You know you love it. Drop the facade. Like the Dark Knight Detective, they've got some perspective. They're a pure crime-fighting collective. It's the Bat Pod. So, like any good Superman story, it begins at the Daily Planet, where Perry White gives an assignment to his crack reporter, Lois Lane. Lois, I want you to go check out this Swami Riva racket. A fortune teller. See what's going on. Pretend you're a young debutante or something and uh, see what's going on over there. All right, chief. Sounds exciting, she says. Perry also says, be careful. Could be dangerous. Listening in the next room. Well, at the water fountain, not really, you know, sneaking. But at the water fountain, Clark Kent overhears it and says, yes, it could be dangerous. I'd better keep an eye on Lois. As Superman. So uh, he does just that. Switches to Superman, flies in the background, and using his x-ray vision, watches Lois as she goes into the Swami Riva tent, or um, room. As the Swami is getting ready, he turns on his uh, magic crystal ball. And at about that time, Lois drops her purse and says, whoops, don't worry, I'll get that. And he sees her press card fall out. Lois Lane, huh? Well, I'll stop you from writing any stories about me. Help, she says. Help. And, of course, Superman watching comes flying into the rescue and says, knock it off. Well, Swami Riva does a little thing with his hands and says simply, stand back, Superman, or I will put a curse on you. And Superman kind of laughs a little bit and says, yeah, sure, Swami. And uh, stay back one more step. And Superman approaches him. And the Swami says, Kazam, Alakazam, Superman be hexed. And as Superman reaches out for the Swami, he falls face first down on the ground. Uh Uh-oh. Lois jumps in. What have you done to him? What have you done to him? I've given him a hex, which I'll do to you if you don't knock it off. And probably does some maniacal cackle laugh as he runs out the room. Superman gets uh, up in a few minutes as the Swami leaves. Lois asks him what happened. I'm not sure, Lois, but, uh, you know, 
we'll have to just uh, check it out and see what happens. And when Superman goes back and talks to Perry White, Perry says, Superman, we won't print the part about you losing your powers and stuff. We all think Perry knows. So the Swami gets a little gang together, says, hey, we're going to pull this crime. And they say, well, hey, no, I don't think so. What about if Superman shows up? Don't worry, says the Swami, I got it. Well, a report comes in that they're doing it. Clark Kent sees it, does a shirt rip, goes flying off, and catches them in the act of trying to open a safe. Superman says, knock it off, starts to give the uh, uh, mobsters, the gang, a little bit of trouble. And the Swami again says, stay back, Superman. And Kazam, Alakazam, Superman be hexed. And once again, as Superman just about ready to attack the uh, Swami, he gets weak, falls to his knees. The gang beats up on him, laughing, and then runs away with the, with the stuff. With the goods. All the bad stuff. So Superman, in a few minutes, you know, after they leave, he revives. And, uh, oh, good, I've got my powers back. I feel great now. So this time, though, it got out into the press, and the Swami is sitting there in his little in his little apartment. Uh, uh, he's taking his turban off, and everything is sitting. His turban is sitting there with a little glowing red light on it, or stone. And while the Swami is gloating and planning his next crime, Superman is bewildered, needs to cogitate. So what does he do when he wants to think things out? Obviously, Superman flies up to the tallest smokestack he can find and sits there in his best thinker position while he thinks, hmm, this has never happened to me before. What am I going to do about this, he says. I'm going to go back to the beginning, look for some clues in this crime. This is a little more complicated than I originally suspected. So Superman does just that. He goes to the police forensics. And sure enough, they said, uh, yes, Superman, we did find uh, fingerprints on the crystal ball. And they belong to a man named Dan Rivers. So Swami Riva is actually Dan Rivers, who used to work at the carnival with uh, Mooch Carlin, the weird uncle Mike Carlin never talks about. And when Superman approaches Mike Carlin, or Mike Carlin, (laughs) Mooch Carlin, who is now uh, working Selling card tricks. Carlin's card tricks. 25 cents. And he says, yes, I used to work with Rivers until he got the idea for this Swami racket and uh, went out on his own. Even put a turban and a big glowing gem in it to make it look more legit. Oh, yeah, really? Where'd he get this uh, stone that he put on his turban, says Superman? He got it from the Acme Jewelry, of course. Superman goes to the Acme Jewelry and says, well, of course, the man uh, who bought it couldn't afford a real gem, so I sold him one of these two stones I have. I don't know what they are, but they shined pretty, and uh, he took the larger of the two. Uh, Do you still have the smaller one? Yes, I still have the smaller one, and he went back to get it, and as he approaches Superman with it, Superman thinks to himself, oh, there's that sick feeling again. I'm getting golly faint. Quick. He says, where did you get this stone? Same place I get all a lot of my stones, from the old prospector out at so-and-so caverns. Superman flies to the prospector, says, uh, 
tells him the story, and he says, yes, of course, I knew exactly the stones, and the, one of them landed right over there. Superman goes right over there and decides to backtrack because the prospector says, I think it's a meteor that fell to Earth. And Superman, wow, that's interesting. So he goes to where the uh, stone fell, where the prospector said he found it, does some more super cogitating, and uses his cosmic velocity to speed up past the time barrier. And flying into the past, he starts to see the path of the meteor and where it's headed. So as he keeps flying back in time and space, faster and faster he goes following this meteor until it comes to a planet. Superman goes down to the planet and uh, they can't see him because he's not of their time. He's out of sync of their time. He can see them, but uh, on page he appears as uh, a white, uncolored, uh, just an inked drawing, white. And uh, so he looks around at Krypton and he says, oh my, these people are incredible. They're all perfect. Gorgeous people, look at them all. This, what is this planet? And uh, Superman, because he's out of time and out of sync with them, he can see them, but they can't see him. And he says he can't hear them, but he'll read their lips to see what they're saying. And then he sees another man walk by and he goes, oh my, that man looks more like me than I do myself. I'm going to follow him. And he follows him home, where he goes home, and his wife, holding a child, greets him as Jor-El and says, did the council listen to you this time? Jor-El says to his wife, Lyra, no, they did not. So I must start plans on building another way for us to leave the planet. Suddenly, rumbles and quakes. The planet is starting to explode and fall apart. I've waited too long, he says. I've waited too long. But Lara, there's room in the ship for both of you, you and the baby. No, my husband, my place is by your side. But our child will have a chance at a better life. They put the baby in the rocket. They launch it into space. Superman says, I need to find out what happened to that child. And he leaves following the rocket still in his ghostly form, follows the rocket, looks back, though, and watches as Krypton explodes. Oh, my, all of those people. But follows the rocket. Wait a minute, this rocket, it's headed towards Earth. As the rocket lands, Superman lands with it and watches the, elderly, the, the kindly couple take the baby out of the rocket, and almost as soon as they got the baby out, the rocket disintegrates as if it was never there. The woman holds the baby and says, Jonathan, we could raise this child as our own. We'll call him Clark. Wait, Clark, wait, these are my parents. I'm the baby. Now I know why I'm different than other Earth people. I'm not of Earth. I'm a Kryptonite. They called them Kryptonians later. But in this first story, they are kryptonites. And the inner monologues, well, this answers everything. No wonder I have 
I am so different than every other earthling. I'm not an earthling. And these powers and that rock coming from my planet that Jor-El called Krypton, being from the same planet, it must weaken me. So I need to stay away from it. And that tells me what I need to do. So once again, using cosmic velocity, Superman flies back to real time, now in full color. He finds the Swami, and they're committing a crime on a boat on the river. And Superman flies down. But before he gets there, uses super breath to blow the Swami's turban off his head, which goes into the uh, Metropolis River and sinks to the bottom. Then Superman pretty quickly takes care of the gang, uh, gets them all you know, arrested, put away. And then Superman goes back to Acme Jewelry and tells the jeweler there that he'd like to buy the smaller of those two stones and have him deliver it to this person, Mr. Smith, at this address. Shortly, a delivery boy shows up at the address, and here's an old man in a captain's hat and a little tubby belly and an old seafaring dude. And the kid says, you Mr. Smith? Yeah, laddie, just put the box down there on the table. I have just did that. I don't know why. It doesn't do it in the book. Once the book, once the... Uh, um, package has been sat on the table and the kid leaves the delivery boy leaves superman pulls the lever changes back to superman pulls the lever which opens a trap door and the rock falls to also the bottom of the metropolis river superman then flies uh, to the top of a mountain and thinks about the story that's had how nice it is now to actually have some history behind him to know who he is, and where he came from. Back in a sec. In all his decades of publishing history, one event has affected Superman more than any other. Worlds lived, worlds died, and that was only the beginning. Superman was never the same. Presenting... Superman in Crisis. Available weekly from January 3rd, 2022 at com. All right. Let's go back over this little puppy for a second or two. Some in- fun things, I guess. Al Plastino's artwork. Interesting. A little cartoony, which is what Al Plastino was like. But Al Plastino, it's very interesting. Uh, this is 1949, and uh, his career started somewhere in 1941 or so. But the number of stories that he illustrated, it's kind of staggering. But uh, this is kind of an interesting thing with Al Plastino, because during this time period in the uh, Atomic Age, Wayne Boring was the um, house guy. He was the main uh, Superman artist. He did the cover to this. He did uh, the two front stories, which, by the way, are um, neither one of the two front stories were worth talking about too much. First story is a prankster story, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of the prankster. Uh, but apparently in the 40s uh, and early 50s, 
he was a big deal. He was in uh, a story in two issues before this, two issues after this, another three issues later, and another two issues later. So in the course of one year, the prankster made seven appearances or six appearances. That's a lot. So uh, it was just an unforgettable story. I mean, a forgettable story with the prankster. Second story was the cover story about uh, three Lois Lanes. There are not three Lois Lanes. There's one Lois Lane who keeps changing the color of her hair to impress Superman because she sees him talking to a redhead. Oh, he must like redheads. I'll dye my hair red. A blonde. Oh, he must like blondes. I'll dye my hair blonde, et cetera, et cetera. Another stupid story, except for the good uh, artwork of uh, Wayne Boring. And then we get to this little gem, the third of three stories drawn by Al Plastino. Uh, the splash page I'll put up for you. It's very cartoony and a funny look on Superman's face of horror and surprise or something as, uh, a planet explodes with a rocket leaving it. And as I said, we always start with, uh, in the daily planet. That's very funny. And, uh, Lois Lane, of course, as soon as she gets there, gets into trouble with the swoomy, but I'm real curious, you know, at this point when, uh, her, pocketbook drops she's in the swami's place her pocketbook drops and the press card falls out the swami doesn't have to get physical here mean all he's got to do is say oh a reporter huh well this session's over you may leave and this story ends but he physically attacked her she yells for superman and once superman gets there the fun begins i also think it's interesting in every single scene where Swami appears in his turban, whether it's in the background or foreground, his red stone has the little shine marks, the glow marks, the three lines or four lines coming out of it to say, yes, it's glowing and it's red. And as we find out, it is kryptonite. And it's the first time kryptonite is used in the Superman stories. And it's colored red. From this point on, after this point, this is the only time that it's colored red. From this point on, the one that weakens him and can kill him is green. Red becomes entirely different. Uh, unpredictable effects over the next 24 to 48 hours. So they give the clue. The clues are there right from the beginning of the kryptonite gem being the reason, again, with the shine marks. And they pace it in a way so that Oh, it's a little bit, but as he gets closer to the Swami, he gets weaker and weaker and then falls. Uh, so I thought that's a nice little touch. And the thing about Al uh, Plastino's artwork here again is that while I was saying that George, uh, George Wayne Boring is the um, number one, the main artist for Superman at this time, Al Plastino's work kind of mimics that. He And that's one of the strengths, actually, of Al Plastino, is that over the years, as they all got older and as new artists came in, mainly Kurt Swoon, Wayne Boring didn't change, but Al Plastino did. His characters, his artwork started to look more like Kurt Swan as Kurt Swan became the number one cover and artist at dc so al plastino i think kept his job by uh altering with the times whereas um wayne boring did not and who knows 
Uh, again, because all of the lo- I love the stuff. There's there's some great highlights here of single pages in the dark with bright flashes like Superman's just getting his powers back. Wow, I'm great. I'm back. It's all there. Everything. I loved it. Uh, the first time that the average reader will probably say, "Oh, it might be the stem on uh, the gem on the turban." is uh, the scene where after he defeats Superman the second time, the Swami goes back and sits in his apartment in his comfy chair and he takes his turban off and it's in the foreground on the table. Previous to this panel, the only time the turban's in the foreground is when he's wearing it. Any other time, it's been in the background, but the shine marks are there. So at this point, you might be thinking to your reader, oh, I'll bet it's the turban that's due. I'll bet it's the... Rock on the turban. Even in 1949, I'll bet the kids were thinking, wait a minute, I'll bet it was that turban. Great ads for bazooka, bubblegum, full-page ad. Uh, Ad for Superman socks for 50 cents. Incredible. Uh, Also, we get to the um, time travel. I think this is the first time he did some time travel, too. Uh, And the way they do it, Unlike the story that comes later in the 60s uh, with Wayne Boring doing the artwork and Kurt Swan cover in issue one, was it 142? When Superman goes back in time, he is back in time. In this one, he flies back in time, but he's out of their sink, so he's invisible to them. And he is only, more or less, I think they're saying he's watching the images of the past. In fact, there's an editor's note, which is from Mort Weisinger at this particular point in time, which says that he is out of sync, so they can't see him. And to Superman, it looks like he is watching a silent movie, but he can read lips. (laughs) Okay. It's nice that Superman can read lips of the Kryptonian language instantly, or... Wow, Kryptonians, Kryptonites speak English. How convenient, which is an interesting take on it. Krypton looks like a Wayne Boring type Krypton. Uh, All of the characters look Wayne Boring-ish. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Boring did some of these, but it's not. It's all Al Plastino. Once again, the rocket is here. We make the rocket, and Jor-El realizes that... uh, the rocket's too small for all of them, but in like most, other than I think Superman the movie, but in most cases, a lot of cases, Jor-El says the rocket's big enough for Lara, you and the baby, but uh, she, of course, stays with her husband. The Superman's surprise at the whole thing on the last page of the uh, parent story is very interesting and a good um, Surprised look on his face. Not really surprised. Um, a, a realization, a, a look of realization. The light bulb has gone on over his head. Wait, these are my parents. Those are the Kents. The baby is me. It's me. <laughs> yeah, good. And uh, then once putting all this together, realizing it was the stone that hurt him, not the Swami, gets rid of the stones. Forever, so there will never be any more kryptonite in any more Superman stories ever again. (laughs) 
Oh, me. I just think this is a great story. And uh, to find it in the back here of this, you know, not in the back like it was hidden. But uh, the gem of Superman Volume 1, Number 61, is the time travel story. Uh, So we see Superman doing time travel for the first time. We see Kryptonite for the first time. Uh, Him interacting in a way with Krypton for the first time. And, of course, learning uh, everything about, uh, not everything, but enough. Who he is and where he came from. That's a big deal. Big deal. Who am I? Where did I come from? Absolutely a fun, fun story. And, by the way, the story has been reprinted a number of times. Well, three according to uh, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. The greatest golden age stories ever told. Hard copy from 1990. Superman in the 40s. Trade paperback from 2005. Probably your easiest bet. And Superman, the Golden Age Omnibus, Volume 7, hard copy, 2023. (laughs) All right, so they included it in the Volume 7 hard copy coming out this year, or it might have already come out, I'm not sure. Superman, the Golden Age Omnibus, Volume 7, Hard copy, 2023. Wow. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Featuring Superman, Volume 1, Number 61, Superman Returns to Krypton. For the first time, interesting stuff. Next time on an all-new episode of the Superman Forever Radio Podcast. I have no idea. (laughs) But we'll find out soon. As soon as I finish this i'll think about that but i promise that the next time that you hear me speaking will not be measured in months but weeks okay got some ideas things to talk about people to talk to so subscribe to the superman forever radio podcast wherever you get your podcasts and if you want to interact send some email bob at supermanforever.com Also, join the uh, Facebook page, uh, Superman Forever Podcast page on Facebook. The Superman Forever Podcast page on Facebook. So that'll do it. We'll see you next time. Superman is based on the original characters appearing in Superman and Action Comics magazines. Superman, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Published by DC Comics, owned by Warner Brothers.
Shortly before uploading this episode, I found out that Phyllis Coates has just passed away at the age of 96. My favorite, Lois Lane. The last of the regular cast of the Adventures of Superman TV show, which started many of us on this <laughs> Superman ride. Rest in peace, Phyllis Coates.